Let's open our Bibles to the book of Daniel and the sixth chapter. If we say one of the wonderful books in the Bible, what we mean is they're all wonderful, and this is one of them. But it's one of the wonderful books in the Bible, Daniel chapter 6. The God that lived in the olden times is the same God today because He is the living God. As Darius will remind us. This is a page in human history that history books don't have because they're so deficient. Written by men who know nothing of what happened in history. And so we have an account here of the Persian Empire and of a publication that went to all the nations, peoples, and languages of that Persian Empire, 120 provinces under 120 princes that gave glory to the God of Daniel. Daniel was second in the kingdom behind Darius, the Persian emperor. He was a Mede. He did not live very long, but in his short time in the throne in Babylon, he met Daniel and he loved Daniel. As we'll see. There's so many things that could be said. We don't want to elaborate too long on any one verse. We want to provoke ourselves and our youth, our children and our young people, that you will dare to stand alone, that you will dare to have a purpose firm, that you will dare to make it known, and that you will try to measure up to the character of this man. This is an exceptional man in the annals of human history. He was a great man. Very few men have ever ruled over 70 years under various kings and empires like Daniel did because he was exceptional. And we want to be exceptional for the glory of God. Lord, help us to this end. The Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 11, a verse that I quote to you many, many times, He that loveth pureness of heart, for the grace of his lips, the king shall be his friend. Darius, the pagan Persian, the pagan Mede, king of the Persian Empire, counted Daniel as a friend. Let us have that pureness of heart that results in gracious speech, that results in kings being our friend. Heavenly Father, have mercy upon us now. There's many verses. There's many thoughts. Let us find the ones that are most valuable and make them precious to the heart's and ears of these hearers, and to the speaker himself, that we might resolve this day that we will seek an excellent spirit, be found faithful without fault or error, and believe in the living God, and be not afraid or ashamed to pray unto him as many times a day as you lead us, no matter what the consequences might be. Let us revel in history that the world knows nothing about, another mystery, of what took place in the few months that Darius reigned over the Persian Empire. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me read the first three verses. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom and 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom, and over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give accounts unto them, and the king should have no damage. Well, let's stop there for a moment. Daniel has been in Babylon for 70 years. He was taken there as a teenage boy. He had great ability that was observed by Nebuchadnezzar's men 70 years earlier. 
He proved it once in Babylon. He's been faithful in Babylon for 70 years. Now the empire has changed hands from the Babylonians or the Chaldeans to the Medes and the Persians, as the last two verses of chapter 5 tell us. This kingdom has an authority structure of 120 princes who report to three presidents, and the esteemed president of those three was Daniel. Verse 3, Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes, because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. We don't know exactly what this means. The first two verses do not tell us that the, first, that the other two presidents report to him. They just said he was first of the three. He was the most important and the highest esteemed of the three presidents. But whatever Darius saw in Daniel, and he tells us what he saw, he wanted to put him over the whole realm. It's like Joseph in Egypt. Potiphar did not want to know anything that he owned because he wanted it all under the care of Joseph because he knew that would be the best care. The jailer in the Egyptian jail there in the capital of Egypt did not want to know about the affairs of the jail because he wanted Joseph to take care of them because he knew that would be the best care of them. Pharaoh did not want to rule Egypt in the midst of a dearth of seven years duration. He wanted Joseph to rule Egypt unless he was in the throne. Men are promoted, though they be slaves or captives, by an excellent spirit, and both men were promoted for the very same reason. When Pharaoh finished hearing Joseph's testimony of the meaning of the prophecy, in Genesis chapters 41 through 43, he said, My counselors, have we ever met or seen a man that has a spirit like this man? This is the man that should have the job even though he had just been hauled in shackles from prison. If the senior officer in the prison was shackled. But he did come from prison. But I want you to notice that it's the same cause. Look at the cause in verse 3, and it's the first thing I want our young people to lay hold of. This Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes. The presidents and princes that were of Persian ancestry. Median ancestry. Babylonian ancestry. It doesn't matter where you come from if you have the character and the spirit of this man. Daniel was preferred because an excellent spirit was in him. Now, I'll grant you, in this case, we have a very gifted man. Daniel was very gifted. But those of us who have been in the commercial world understand that gifts do not carry you as quickly to the top as the right attitude, the right spirit. And Daniel had a spirit that kept him at the top, no matter whether it was Nebuchadnezzar or Belshazzar or Darius or Cyrus. It's attitude. It's spirit. It's what kind of character flows out of your lips. That is what carries men to the top. Anyone can get a degree. Anyone. They're cheap. They're easy. But who has the character of Daniel? He had 120 princes. They were all degreed. They had better ancestry than he did. They knew the language and the religion better. Blah, 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 blah. It doesn't matter. It was an excellent spirit. And we want to think about that spirit as carefully as we can in just a few minutes. Joseph had that spirit. 
David had that spirit. David behaved himself wisely before all of Israel so that his name was much set by. I want both young men and young women to think about this wonderful spirit. Jesus grew in wisdom and in favor with God and men. That's an excellent spirit. That is a spirit that carries you in the things you say and the things you do in such a way that everyone loves you. Your spirit is measured by others. It is never measured by what you think of your spirit. I mean, if we were to believe that, then we, this is a whole church full of excellent spirits. And the whole world is full of excellent spirits. And if we went to the local public zoo and asked them, do you think you're of an excellent spirit? They would say, of course I am. Everyone thinks they have an excellent spirit. But an excellent spirit is proven by the approval, acceptance, and promotion by God and men. And see, that, take, that takes it right out of your hands to think that it's something that you know about yourself. If you have unlimited friends and men want to promote you and men treat you as important, it's because you have an excellent spirit. That's what they did to David, Joseph, and Daniel. And so you want that and you want to measure it correctly. It is growing in favor with God and men. It is said of Samuel, I started this assembly off it as it was spoken by the preacher Solomon himself, king of Israel, and recorded in Proverbs chapter 3, and it was said of the Lord Jesus Christ. When other good men esteem you, that's when you know you have an excellent spirit. If other good men despise you, it's because you have an odious, corrupt, perverse, froward spirit. There is no way around it. This is the truth of God's word. It doesn't matter whether it's a pagan king and a Jewish captive who's been neutered. He is going to rise to the top because of his spirit. And he did, right here. And I want you young men to lay hold of it. The most important thing is not your degree, it's your spirit. The most important thing is not your IQ, it's your CQ, WQ, and SQ. It is your spirit. Why did Darius, just a few months in office, want to take Daniel, a captive Jew, and put him over the whole realm? His spirit, his attitude, and how he carried himself. It's invaluable in commerce and politics for such a spirit. It should be the goal of every saint. A critical, defeated, lazy, negative, proud, sarcastic, or selfish attitude will hold you down. As soon as other men and God recognizes that you are selfish, you are proud, you are critical, you are negative, you are defeated, you are not full of faith, you're not full of zeal or diligence, they're not going to put you anywhere. They can't stand you. They will elevate a man who has a spirit of success and a spirit of winning and a spirit of fearing God and a spirit of graciousness and a spirit of zeal and a spirit of faithfulness and a spirit of loyalty and a spirit of thanksgiving. Those wonderful character traits come flowing through with a man who has an excellent spirit and men want him around. The king shall be his friend. How many examples of this do we have to have to get the point across? Young men, are you attentive when men are speaking to you? Are you attentive? Are you cheerful when you're given an assignment? Are you cooperative when you're asked to do something? Are you courteous in all situations? Are you diligent to finish a task and to do it with zeal? Are you discreet 
to know what to say, how to say it, and when to say it that would please men and God? Are you eager to get at a task that's been assigned to you? Are you faithful in finishing it the right way? Are you friendly toward all? Are you gentle toward those that are weak? Are you gracious in your speech and treatment of others? Are you loving? Are you loyal? Are you prudent? Are you serving? Are you zealous? All these are just a few of the synonyms for an excellent spirit. And if you have these things, you please God and you please men. Your parents are going to be happy. You're going to have more friends than you can handle. And you're going to rise on the job, all other things being equal. And so it was for Daniel. Women should also consider this well. The Bible tells me in Proverbs chapter 11, and I would like us to turn there for a moment for the sake of the women. Proverbs chapter 11. I must confess, and it's by the wisdom of God, that the Bible is written primarily for men. And yet there are rules in it for women as well. And when they hear something like the story about Daniel, just because he was male in sex, does not mean that there are not lessons there for them as well to have that excellent spirit. In Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 16, the first five words are important for women. A gracious woman retaineth honor. That is a woman with an excellent spirit. A gracious woman retaineth honor, meaning she's always going to be honored, always going to be esteemed, always going to be respected. She will be promoted. She will be highly thought of by others because she is gracious. And you need to go home and study gracious if you haven't picked up from the list of synonyms that I've already given you. But let me try again. A gracious woman never answers again. I said that correctly. Never answers again. Never argues, blames, complains, criticizes, disagrees, envies, fights, fusses, questions, is moody, or whines. Those things are incompatible. With graciousness. Flush them all. A gracious woman is always cheerful, cooperative. Oh, we're back to that list for the guys. Of course, it's the same for both sexes. Cooperative, cheerful, courteous, kind, benevolent, loving, warm, friendly, merciful, forgiving. That's graciousness. A gracious person is never blaming other people. Never criticizing other people. They would sooner blame or criticize themselves. That's what makes them gracious. Whenever I preach on graciousness, the only people that cry and get convicted in this assembly are those that are the most gracious. And the ones that need it the most go home without a thought because they've already presumed they're gracious, which is why they're odious. It's always been that way. It's a horrible conflict. I look out and I want to stop the sermon and go to these gracious people and say, why don't you just leave and go home? You've already learned this lesson. But they're the ones convicted that they're odious. And they need to learn graciousness. And the ones that need to learn it don't get it. Because they already think themselves gracious. There's only one measure. How do men think of you? You say, well, they crucified Jesus. Then go read Luke 2.52. He grew in favor with God and men. His enemies crucified him. We're talking about friends. Daniel had it. And this is what we want for men and women in Daniel chapter 6. One more verse in in Proverbs chapter 11 for you women. It's verse 22. As a jewel of gold in a swine's snout, so is a fair woman which is without discretion. 
Discretion is part of an excellent spirit. Discretion is the ability to know what to do, when, and how to do it. That's what discretion is. It's a synonym for prudence. It's knowing what to do, when, and how to do it to be the most effective and the most pleasing to the most number of people. It's being very conventional. It's doing things as measured by other people's eyes, not by your habits, not by your mother, not by your thoughts, but by what other people think about your actions. That is discretion and that is prudence. And even if you're a beautiful woman and you don't have it, you end up, your beauty is nothing but a nose jewel in a big, hairy, stinking pig. Now, if you're just of average looks, you don't even get the gold ring. You're just a big, hairy pig. And if you're ugly, you're under the hairy pig. That's just the Word of God. See, beauty is nothing. Favor is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord. Guess what that is? That is an excellent spirit. Cheerful, happy, thankful, joyful, praising, merciful, forgiving, benevolent, kind, courteous. And we could go on and on. It's one of the best studies you could ever have with your young ladies because it says that back in that 16th verse, a gracious woman retaineth honor. Back to Daniel chapter 6 and the young man Daniel. He's not young now. He's an old man. He's probably 85 years old. Let's go back to Daniel chapter 6. I want the women to know that the Bible speaks to them as well. And we all want that excellent spirit. Darius was 62 Years old when he took the kingdom. The last verse of chapter 5 tells us that. Sometimes the Bible puts out facts, and we know very little about them, but by, by reading history just a little bit, Darius was only in the kingdom a short while, and he died. And Cyrus took over. Cyrus the Persian. And the Bible told us that. It would be a confederacy of the Medes and the Persians that would take the, the empire of Babylon, and they would come in with the strength of the Medes, but the Persians would quickly come to the ascendancy and the, the empire would be known as the Persian Empire from then on, and Cyrus would be the king. Because if you turn over just a few pages, you're going to find out that Daniel is quickly in the kingdom of Cyrus the Persian. Because it was Cyrus the Persian that gave the edict, we don't need human history for this particular point, Cyrus gave the edict for the Jews to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple. And the 70 years had already been fulfilled, because Daniel prayed about that in Daniel chapter 9. And the decree was issued by Cyrus because Darius was out of the picture quickly. All of that effort on my part was this. An excellent spirit is not something that someone has to dig for. An excellent spirit reveals itself very quickly. When a person has an excellent spirit, it only takes minutes to know that you are in the presence of an unusual person that has an exceptional spirit. And the opposite is just as true. All you have to do is hear their voice, their grating voice, their grating opinions, their obnoxious ways, and you know that you just have a perverse person, a fool. Very quickly, Darius knew that he had someone special, and it was Daniel. An excellent spirit. If you were to have read Daniel chapter 5, the queen mother knew this about Daniel as well. For when Belshazzar was staggered by the handwriting on the wall and did not know what to do about it, the queen mother spoke up and said, O king, there is a man in your kingdom that you seem to have forgotten about that your father, Nebuchadnezzar, the king, I say the king, meaning a real king, knew about, go read it. knew about this man, Daniel, because in him was an excellent spirit. And he will be able to tell you exactly what the writing on the wall is. 
That's in chapter 5. Those are the three verses. The, what we want out of that third verse is that even in the world, Daniel was promoted not because of a supernatural act of God, but because of God's mercy in his life that resulted in an excellent spirit. And we want that excellent spirit. The conspiracy. Let's read verses 4 through 9 and see a conspiracy that took place. Because when a man is promoted, and especially when he's a Christian man, other men are going to be envious and want to get him out of the picture. When Joseph was promoted, his brothers tried to kill him. When David was promoted, Saul tried to kill him. When Jesus was promoted and the people followed him, the Jews did kill him. Verse 4, Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom. But they could find none occasion nor fault, for as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. Then said these men, We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king and said thus unto him, King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princes, the counselors and the captains, have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for thirty days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing, that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Wherefore, King Darius signed the writing and the decree. That was not discretion, and that was not prudence, to sign something so hastily with such a forward proposition as these men brought him. He should have been able to smell the envy that was in the ranks beneath him. The point we want to see here, and there's many points that can be seen, The first one is, there in the fourth verse, they vetted Daniel. We have a new verb that we've used in recent years to vet a political candidate is to go back into his past and dig up as much dirt as possible. Actually, this is how idiotic the American people are, thinking that because he may have smoked dope behind the school in the eighth grade, that at the age of 50 he is not qualified to be the president of the United States. Instead, we end, never mind. They vet our political candidates by going back and digging up dirt in their past. Now, they tried to dig up dirt on Daniel. They were going to vet him. Couldn't find a thing. Not an error. Not a fault. Young men. Young women. This is how you want to live your life. A little folly turns the ointment of the apothecary into a stinking smell. So you don't even want to have any flaws in your life as well as you are able to keep yourself as well as possible. No fault could be found in him. No occasion, meaning they were looking for anything that could be twisted in the least bit to show him unfaithful to the government of Darius and to the Persian Empire. And though Daniel would have disagreed with much about that pagan Persian Empire, they could find none occasion that he had done anything to undermine the authority of Darius or to overthrow the laws of the Persian Empire. 
And then people say, well, how can I as a Christian live in the world? Well, follow Daniel. He lived in the world. He lived in the Persian world, and he carried himself perfectly. They looked. They dug. They went and interviewed his teachers. They went and interviewed his friends. They went and interviewed his landlords. They checked everything they could. They did his credit score. They worked and worked to find something bad about Daniel, and they could find nothing. Praise God for men like Daniel. There's precious few of them in the history of the world. May we aspire, may you young men aspire to be men like this. Nothing in your past. Spotless before even enemies that would twist the least thing that would even have been questionable. We're not going to find anything. Let's quit the whole process. We're only going to get him if we pick on his religion, and that's the way we want to go down. If we ever go down in this world, we want to go down for our faith in God, not because we were unfaithful on the job. Not because we were unfaithful at home, not because we were unfaithful in our finances, not because we were unfaithful in anything. We want to go down because we were found faithful to our God. If they want to pass legislation against our religion, then we'll go down for that. We don't want to go down for anything else. You know, these men, they sound like, as they quote the tradition for the Persian laws, that the laws of the Medes and Persians are never altered, and how much they appreciated the legislative process of the Persian government. They had nothing in their minds whatsoever except to destroy this. Did you notice that last night? This Daniel. Not Daniel. This Daniel. He just ground them because Darius loved him. He had found favor with God and men, and they resented it because they wanted that favor, but they didn't deserve it. They have a wonderful future coming. Precious future. Before we can get out of this chapter. This is the conspiracy against. What's the conspiracy? Pass legislation that will make Daniel's religion wrong. Legislation has been passed that makes some of the things we do wrong. We just keep doing it because there's still enough churches doing it. There's hate crime legislation that's already been passed that when we preach the truth of God's Word, we could be accused of violating hate crimes of this nation. It will get worse. It should get worse. This is a wicked nation. They don't want to hear the Word of God. And the Word of God is against what they love in this nation. And when you hear men talk about, well, it's the law. These men didn't care about the law. They were only using the law to get rid of a personal enemy because they resented and were envious of Daniel's promotion over them. Always understand the motives of men. The Bible reveals their motives. This is the conspiracy. That Daniel could no longer pray to his God because anyone praying to anyone but King Darius for 30 days was in violation of the Persian law. Let's read the trap. Verses 10 through 17. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. I thank God, whom I serve, and His Son, Jesus Christ, for what He's about to do to these men in just 24 hours. 
Then they came near and spake before the king concerning the king's decree. Hast thou not signed a decree that every man that shall ask a petition of any god or man within thirty days, save of thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true, according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Then answered they and said before the king, That Daniel, which is of the children of the captivity of Judah, regardeth not thee, O king, nor the decree that thou hast signed, but maketh his petition three times a day. Boy, they sure had the details down for that, didn't they? When they want to get you, they're going to trap you, and they're going to find fault with the things that you do. Three times a day, they tried to make him out to be as bad as possible, that he didn't regard the king. Daniel regarded the king better than any ten of them could. He just didn't regard that foolish law of theirs. The king knew it wasn't his law, and he knew that he had foolishly signed it by the next verse. Then the king, when he heard these words, was sore displeased with himself. Sore displeased with himself. Brethren, always be discreet. A prudent man foresees the evil and hides himself. Do not sign anything without doing your due diligence. Do not commit yourself to anything without examining all the aspects of the case. Be circumspect. The Bible uses that word because circum means circle. 360 degrees inspect means to inspect. Look at all possible angles before you commit yourself to something. He foolishly presumed on the flattering praise of these wicked men to sign into law something that now had his hands tied and his friend Daniel was at risk. Look what it says about this king and how much affection he had for Daniel. Verse 14, Then the king, when he heard these words, was sore displeased with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Every law clerk, every attorney that he could get his hands on was digging through the law books to find if they could find a loophole to save Daniel. He labored till the going down of the sun Because that at night, he was to be thrown to the lions. These men knew that he was working that hard. So it says in verse 15, Then these men assembled unto the king and said unto the king, No, K-N-O-W, no, O king, that the law of the Medes and Persians is that no decree nor statute which the king establisheth may be changed. Do you think they cared about the integrity of the legislative and executive branch of that government? Not one whit. They were upset that he was scrambling and using everything at his kingly disposal to find a way to save Daniel. The king is trapped by his own words. You know, the Bible, you know what the Bible says to do? You be like a deer that is being chased by a hunter. And you be like a bird that is about to be caught by a snare, and you run and you fly with all your speed and all your might. It is Proverbs chapter 6, the first five verses, that tell you to escape ever committing yourself as a surety or doing anything with your mouth or your signature that will entrap you. Run! It's better to say no. I need a day to think about it, even if you have a friend standing there begging for you to sign and commit yourself. I need to think about it. Or you'll get yourself trapped like this. Verse 16, Then the king commanded, 
And they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God, whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. Darius had witnessed a lot. We don't know what conversations Daniel and Darius had already had. You know, I personally believe that Daniel had already shown Darius and Cyrus the prophecies of the Word of God that told about them, two empires joined together with Cyrus by name leading them, that they would take over Babylon in one night by the means in which they took it over. Because Daniel had that in the Word of God, Isaiah chapters 44 and 45. But look at Darius's testimony about the God of Daniel. Verse 17, The stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. They had rings with unique signets. The king had to seal that den of lions, and the lords had to seal that den of lions so that neither party could interrupt it. No one could interrupt that den of lions that night Because two signets of opposing parties, one that didn't want Daniel in there and one that did want Daniel in there, had both sealed that lion's den. What have we learned about Daniel so far? He was of an excellent spirit. There was no fault in him. There was no occasion of fault in him. When a decree was made that you can't pray, he went and prayed anyway. Why did he pray through his window toward Jerusalem? Because when Solomon had dedicated that temple, Solomon's long dedicatory prayer in Kings and Chronicles said, That if we sin against thee, and in your righteous judgment you take us out of this land, and away from this city, and away from this house, and you put us in a foreign place, if we repent in that foreign place, and if we pray toward this this city, and this place, where this house now stands, hear thou from heaven and deliver us. Daniel was doing exactly what Solomon had prayed. That's how faithful of a man he was in effectual praying. He didn't just pray, because lots of men pray and God never hears them. He was a man who prayed effectually. He prayed fervently because he did it three times a day. He prayed fervently because he got down on his knees. He prayed effectually because he prayed toward Jerusalem. He prayed effectually because he gave thanks when he prayed. Is all that there in that tenth verse? We can know about Daniel's praying in agreement with what we learned and we're reminded of on Wednesday evening. Daniel prayed effectually, and he prayed fervently. Was he a righteous man? There was no fault or error in him. Do you think his prayers might be heard? The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Can it avail with creatures that can grow to ten feet in length, not counting their tail, and weigh 500, 600, even 700 pounds, can be heard five miles away in the African night when they roar, and are strong enough in their forebody with one swipe of a paw, can break the back of a zebra. Brother Gerald said he got up this morning, turned on the Internet, and there was his home page, and it was a video clip. How would you like to watch a pride of lions devour some prey? And he said, this morning? This morning? And so he watched it. A wildebeest didn't last long. They licked the platter clean. Then they licked each other to make sure they hadn't missed anything. And they ate so viciously, he said, it looked like they were fighting while they were eating because they were so much wanting that prey. That's the truth. The lion's dead. But God took care of this man. Verse 18. Verse 18 through 23. 
Then the king went to his palace. Daniel's in the lion's den. King Darius has had to seal the den. Then he goes to his palace and he passed the night fasting. Neither were instruments of music brought before him. And his sleep went from him. He couldn't sleep that night. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste under the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God. What a title. Daniel had taught him well. Do you know what he was saying about all the gods of the Persian Empire? The Median Empire and the Babylonian? O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God, whom thou servest continually, able to deliver thee from the lions. What are we learning about this guy, Daniel? Excellent spirit, no fault, a praying man, serving God continually, unafraid of men. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. The righteous are as bold as a lion, Eric used earlier in this assembly. Daniel had that kind of a spirit. He served God continually. He didn't serve Him a month on and a month off. He didn't serve Him on Sundays and six days off. He served Him continually. And he talked about his faith. How did Darius know so much about it? The living God. There was no statue to Jehovah. A statue to Jehovah. There was no idol of Jehovah. Why? Because He's the living God. O King, we can't make an, an idol... To a living God. We're learning so much about this man. Look how respectful he is to the man who put him in the lion's den. Verse 21. Then send Daniel unto the king. O king, live forever. That's respectful to the man who put him there. O king, live forever. My God, look at his personal faith. Hath sent his angel and hath shut the lion's mouths that they have not hurt me. For as much as before him, innocency was found in me, and also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. There is so much character in this verse. It is my God, and I am not ashamed to declare that he has unseen angels in the operation of this world, and he sent his angel to shut the mouths of your lions, because his angels are stronger than your lions, whether you believe in angels or not. He was not afraid to describe the supernatural to men who lived in the natural realm. Enjoy that about Daniel. For as much, and this is godly character, and it hurts me whenever I hear someone in this assembly think, who is righteous, who is faithful, who is diligent and zealous in pursuing the things of the kingdom of heaven, make a mockery of praise, Because praise belongs upon the heads of the righteous. Godly men have godly character, and godly character is not ashamed to declare their faithfulness before God. I have taught you that repeatedly. Psalm 18, David said, I was delivered from all my enemies because I was found faithful. I kept myself from iniquity. I kept His commandments, and that is why God blessed me. That is, that is Psalm 18. Have you read it? Daniel does the same thing to another man. O king, I was rescued last night and delivered from your lions because I am an innocent man and God knows I'm innocent. He didn't say anything like, I'm the chief of sinners and it's by pure grace. It wasn't by pure grace. 
It was by pure faithfulness. Now the fact that he was faithful was by grace. But it was by his faithfulness. Get the balance. That is not pride. That is Christian humility. My God takes recognition of my faithfulness in the duties even of your kingdom. And second, O king, you know that before thee I have done thee no hurt. You know that I have never disappointed you, and I have never done anything dangerous to your reign. That is a godly man. This does not mean that we go around all the time patting ourselves on the back. But it also means that the appropriate occasion, and when for the usefulness of God's church, some praise is put on your head, if you make a mockery of it, you're making a mockery of godly character. The Apostle Paul was not ashamed to say, I labored more abundantly than they all. He wrote it to the whole world. Do you know what he was doing to the other 11 apostles? Putting them in their proper place. Second, this is not teaching you pride. This is teaching you Christian character. David knew the same thing. Daniel knew that he was innocent before God. Verse 23, then was the king exceeding glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no manner of hurt was found upon him because he believed in his God. And the newspaper was published with an editorial where the lions weren't hungry. The lions weren't hungry. That's why they didn't touch Daniel during the night. Look at the man's character. He believed God. He prayed. He prayed three times a day. He prayed carefully. And the Bible wants us to know the details of Daniel's praying so that we will know he prayed effectually and he prayed fervently. He had an excellent spirit. There was no fault or error found in him. He was respectful even to the king that put him there. He was fearless when it came to men. He was full of Christian character. Darius loved him. Darius worked all night and couldn't sleep, thinking that anything bad was happening to Daniel. But the Lord took care of him. And the Lord always takes care of the righteous. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. His ears are open unto their cry. Daniel's praying in the lion's den would have been heard because he prayed so faithfully on other days when there was no lion's den. Showing himself to be a man of God. Verse 24. And the king commanded, and they brought those men which had accused Daniel, and they cast them into the den of lions, them, their children, and their wives. And the lions had the mastery of them and break all their bones in pieces, or ever they came at the bottom of the den. When they did reach the bottom of the den, they were broken bones and the flesh was gone. They were hungry. They were very hungry. But the angel of the Lord had closed their mouths. And do you know what it says in Hebrews chapter 11? By faith, they shut the mouths of lions. By faith, because Daniel believed in his God. Look what it says at the last clause of verse 23. Because he believed in his God. There was no hurt on Daniel because he believed in his God. Faith shuts the mouths of lions. Faith opens red seas. Faith brings conception and birth to barren women. Faith. And it's, just, it's stated right there in the last few words of verse 23. The punishment's wonderful. The vertical jump of the best in the NBA is 48 inches. That's by somebody weighing about 180 to 200 pounds. 
A lion weighing 500 pounds has a vertical jump of 12 feet. I just, I just had fun thinking about lions and thinking about men who wanted to pick on Daniel being tossed to them and their wives and their children. Now, I have a wife. And last night as we went through this for not the first time and not the second time and not the third time, she said, you know, the world just wouldn't understand about wives and children going right along with the husbands. And we talked about the fact that that's the authority of a man who's the head of his house. You marry the wrong kind of a man, you're ruining your own life. And those women could have come and told, we don't know this, those women could have come and told King Darius what their husbands were up to and what their fathers were up to. But they had no intention to honor King Darius. They just wanted to get rid of Daniel. But Darius made a good choice, didn't he? Anyone this disruptive that wants to take out the most important man in my kingdom, they all belong in the lion's den. And there were enough lions and there was enough hunger. And the Lord of God stirred those lions up enough that before they could reach the bottom of the den, they had been pretty well destroyed, like very destroyed. Thank you, Lord. Paul, do you still remember? Paul, my brother, do you still remember the picture? And Dad reading this story to us when we were little? Yes. Daniel standing there with the lions all around him? Sherry asked me last night, do I still remember? I still remember. I just regret I haven't always been a Daniel. You can't get back days you've spent. Spend every one perfectly. Now let's read a little bit of history. You want to read a document that went to all languages of the earth? 450 years B.C.? Daniel 6.25, Then King Darius wrote unto all people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth. Peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree. Praise God. He is able to turn the hearts of kings. I make a decree. Some other men brought a decree to me and I signed it foolishly, but now I make a decree. That in every dominion of my kingdom, men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and steadfast forever. And his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall be even unto the end. He delivereth and rescueth, and he worketh signs and wonders in heaven and in earth, who hath delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. Amen and amen. Sealed. The law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be altered. I make a decree. Now notice that this man, what he said about all the religions of all the peoples in all the dominion of his kingdom. That Daniel's God was the living God. Which said, what about their gods that they worshipped in the form of idols? That they were not living gods like Daniel's. Second, what did Darius think about the separation of church and state? The state 
will enforce this religion on the whole empire. That men everywhere should fear and tremble before Daniel's God. When God gets a hold of a man, does he get a hold of a man? There's no wishy-washy opinions when, it, when God gets a hold of a man. It was the same with Nebuchadnezzar. These despots in the past, I mean, they were either hot or cold. They either wanted you to worship their golden image or they were going to cut your house, they were going to cut you up into pieces and turn your house into a dunghill if you didn't worship the God of Daniel. So what does it say about Daniel as it closes out chapter 6? Chapter 7 through 12, which is the second half of the book, are his prophecies. The first six are events in the life of Daniel and his friends. The second half of the book is the, are the prophecies of Daniel. It's a wonderful book. Here's the end of the first half. So this Daniel prospered with a king writing something like that for you and sending it to all people's languages and nations. Does that mean it's going pretty well at home? That's why the word so is there. So... This Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. How many more efforts were there to overthrow Daniel? (laughs) No. Did he have a decent funeral? Yes. He prospered in the reign of Darius and Cyrus the Persian. What can we learn about this guy? Let me summarize. We want the excellent spirit. We want his integrity. We want his courage. We want his faith. And we shouldn't be surprised when other men envy us. And when we're, we're made different by foolish and wicked men of this world. I hope that you've gone and looked in this chapter and tried to note some of the things that it says about Daniel. I found 22 that I want to share with you very quickly and we close. Daniel's character. He was of an excellent spirit in the third verse, which is very broad, but it's a glorious description and it's something we want. It is... He that loveth pureness of heart, for the grace of his lips. This is the order. Heart, lips, actions. He that loveth pureness of heart, for the grace of his lips, the king shall be his friend. Daniel was of an excellent spirit. He had no dereliction of duty. Identified as no occasion or fault against the kingdom. In verse 4. There was nothing that could be construed that he was a risk to the kingdom and had ever done anything to undermine the authority of Darius or Cyrus. He was faithful, verse 4 as well, in all assigned duties and expectations. He had no faults or errors of any kind, not even those of a personal nature that they could lay hold of, even though he was vetted aggressively by his enemies. Verse 4. We're up to 4. He had vulnerability only in one matter. There was only one part of Daniel's life that could be picked on and that they could ever use against him, and that was concerning the law of his God. Whatever God had told Daniel, that's what Daniel was going to do, and the only way they could ever get to him was to pass a law against the law of his God. He prayed effectually by praying on his knees, that's fervently, toward the, he prayed toward the city of Jerusalem, as the Bible tells him to, and its temple. He prayed fervently by praying three times a day on his knees. He was thankful as part of his praying. This is part of an excellent spirit. And this is part of effectual praying. He was thankful, which is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you, and part of effectual praying. He was courageous, not fearing the ordinance of the king. He was steadfast, without change, in spite of the law that had been passed against him. 
He heard about the law. He knew the intent of the law. He knew that the law would condemn him. He had no fear. He knew those men were going to get him one way or another relative to his religion. He was steadfast anyway. He made supplication in prayer, which is another expression. It's in verse 11 of the fervent pleading. That's what supplication means. Fervent pleading and begging, showing his fervency in prayer. I hope that you can still remember from Wednesday night some of the things we considered then so that you can appreciate Daniel praying in the spirit and in the practice of James 5.16. He was known to walk with Jehovah and worship Him so that Darius identified Jehovah, the living God, I am that I am, with Daniel. He served Jehovah continually. A consistent reputation as a worshiper in spite of the law. He boldly made Jehovah known as the living God to Darius. He was not afraid or ashamed of his religion. He was respectful to the hasty, naive, and presumptuous king as a subject, whether high or low, should be. He was bold to call Jehovah his God. My God. Not the God. My God hath sent an angel. He was bold to refer to angels as real spiritual beings. He was not afraid to speak of something spiritual to men who only had natural understanding. He was bold to testify that it was divine intervention, not any natural phenomenon that saved him. He was confident of his innocency before God. And men with great character and excellent spirits are confident when the time arrives that they are innocent before God, like David, Paul, and others. He was confident of his integrity before men, like Moses and others. Moses and Samuel, when confronted by the nation and accused of taking too much upon themselves, said, we have never taken an ass from any of you. Those men had never taken anything from those people. And that's why Moses would say, stand back and let God open up the earth and swallow my enemies that are accusing me of wanting to lord it over this nation. Moses never wanted that job and would have left it at any time if God would have allowed him to. But Daniel was confident of his integrity before men as he told Darius at the mouth of the lion's den the morning after his night there. Daniel had faith. The Bible testifies by the Holy Spirit that he was delivered because he believed. And when we get to Hebrews 11, we understand that by faith, The mouths of lions were shut. Daniel, it says very specifically in verse 23, that Daniel was saved because he believed. And he prospered and endured in a pagan kingdom due to finding favor before kings. He took mercy and truth, mercy and truth into his life. They met together. He bound them about his neck. He wrote them on the table of his heart. And he found favor even in the eyes of a pagan king named Darius. And when Darius died shortly after this, he found favor in the eyes of Cyrus. And he continues even in in chapter 10, it says he was in the third year of Cyrus the Persian. Fathers and mothers, husbands and wives and children and youth, we want an excellent spirit like Daniel. No faults in his life. Nobody could accuse him of anything. He was faithful. He believed God. He prayed every day. He kept himself. He was fearless. He was going to do what God wanted him to do. And whatever was assigned to him by his king, he did it. If your parents assigned something to you, do it. Do it cheerfully. Do it eagerly. Do it aggressively. Do it zealously. Do it faithfully. Finish it. 
Go ask for more. Be like Daniel. He was not afraid to be alone. He had a purpose firm. And he was not afraid to make it known. Dare to be a Daniel. There's two of you in here that are named Daniel. May God bless you to live up to that name. And may God bless some others in here to live up to that name as well. May God bless the preaching of His Word.